This week on I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews, I review the Netflix movie White Noise and also the 1994 comedy Airheads. All this and more on I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. Okay, roll film. Would you like that, a protein? That stuff causes cancer in laboratory animals, in case you didn't know. Either I chew gum or I smoke. What are these children, yours? That's mine from Wives 1 and 3. There's Babette's from Husband 2. Wilder is ours. We're each other's fourth. Life is good, Jack. I hope it lasts forever. Let's watch a sitcom or something. No! They're calling it the airborne toxic event. It won't come this way. Will we have to leave our home? Of course not. How do you know? I just know. Okay, what if it's dangerous? Evacuate all places of residence. A situation. All we have to do is stay out of the way. They're passing us, Dad. Technically, that's illegal. Do sheep have lashes? Ask your father. We're going sideways. Dad, do sheep have lashes? Doesn't anyone want to pay attention to what's actually happening? I wish there was something I could do. I wish I could outthink the problem. There are two kinds of people in the world. Killers and dyers. Most of us are dyers. Right now we're safe. As long as the children are here, they need us. Of some persistent sense of large-scale ruin, we keep inventing hope. Hello and welcome to I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mikkel Ford. Let's get right into the show. So, you heard uh, that uh, little segment at the beginning. I watched a movie on Netflix called White Noise. It stars Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, and Don Cheadle. Those are the three main stars of the show, of the uh, movie, excuse me. Um, what I gotta say about the movie? Well, it's a movie. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much all I got to, that's pretty much, that's not all I have to say about the movie, but it's, that's what I took away from it, you know? <laughs> it's a movie. Now, uh, Noah Bombat directed this movie, 
And you know the style, if you know the style of Noah Baumbach, this movie's gonna be really campy. This movie's going to be really goofy. And because I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of Noah Baumbach movies that are normal. And the only one that I can think of is Marriage Story, you know, which I really liked. I really liked Marriage Story. It's like it was a linear, because a lot of his movies aren't really linear. He takes it. I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys here. White Noise takes that to the extreme. Okay, because I'm not going to lie. Like half the time watching this movie, I'm like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> That's what I was thinking the whole time watching this movie. I was just like, what? I was like, what? am i watching here uh we got adam driver as this uh professor and i'm not really sure what type of professor he is i think he's a i think he's a history professor or something like that he talks about hitler a lot for some reason i don't know what the fast i don't this movie has a real fascination (laughs) has a real fascination with hitler for some reason and i don't know what it is i'm like they talk about they talk about hitler a lot in this movie and I'm like why are we talking about Hitler so much in this movie I was like I don't I don't understand (laughs) what Hitler has to do with this movie but this movie really jerks you around a lot because it's kind of like it has like it 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 has like three parts to it it's like at first it's kind of like just a coming of age like family movie at the beginning um then it turns into and this is what i got from the um this is what i got from the trailer because i remember seeing the trailer and i was like oh it's a disaster film (laughs) you know it's a disaster comedy that's what it is because like the it's only the second half of the movie that's a disaster comedy because like they get rid of the because they get rid of the disaster film aspect like really quickly like everything that they show in the trailer they're done with that in like 30 minutes you know (laughs) and this movie's two hours this movie's two hours that that part of the movie lasts about 30 minutes and I was, I was just like, I thought this was going to be the whole movie. I thought this was going to be like, I thought this was going to be like uh, Independence Day or, 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 or Greenland or something. But they're just doing like a, a, a comedy twist to it. No, they were just like, yeah, there was a, because it was supposed to be like an airborne toxic event that happened. And everybody had to evacuate. And... They did that for, like I said, they did that for 30 minutes, and then after a while, they were just like, well, yeah, everybody can go home. And you're like, what? Huh? (laughs) That's what you, that's what you, that's what it made me do, because, like, I was expecting more of the disaster uh, aspect of it. That's done. It's done. And then the third part, the third part of the movie is just, it turns into, like, a, it turns into, like, marriage story pretty much the third part of it turns into marriage story with a little bit of like uh scanner darkly with a mix of what's that other movie uh with jared leto i forgot the name of the movie uh requiem for a dream it turns into requiem for a dream for a little bit it just 
like mixes all these movies together and just lumps them in and it just makes me go what am I watching here it's just a big old just cluster you know this is a big old cluster of different movies and the dialogue they do this weird thing with the dialogue where they have like everybody talking over each other uh it's like Adam Driver and his family like they talk over each other Greta Gerwig plays Adam Driver's wife by the way she has like some type of like pill addiction or something like that they follow that throughout the movie that's a linear thing throughout the movie uh but um like I said like they have like all the actors talk over each other like Adam Driver and his family they all talk over each other when Adam Driver goes to work because he he uh he's he's a professor also like uh Don Cheadle is a professor there at his school also uh, we got Andre 3000 in this movie also. He plays one of the professors. And we got uh, Jody, uh, Jody Smith-Turner in this movie. She's one of the professors. Um, which I know I shit on Jody Smith-Turner's acting a lot. I, I believe I've, I've done that a couple times on this podcast because I don't think that, I don't think that she's that good of an actress. Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. But she's she's very, very beautiful in this movie also with the long hair. Because usually she has like short hair or something like that. But like they have like the long hair. She has the long hair. I'm like really, really pretty. Really pretty woman. But I was, I've always had a problem. I've always had a problem with her acting. And like her acting is just not that good. At least here she gets to be weird. And it kind of like it kind of you know makes up for the fact that she can't act very well she's just acting really weird in this movie so that makes up for a lot this is probably her best performance um but yeah man like i said my man andre three thousand in this movie like i said don Cheadle is in this movie also i i don't i don't know I guess this is, he just wanted to be an artist, you know, <laughs> which I kind of find his character, I kind of find his character useless, he didn't need to be here, he just background, uh, but Adam Driver, man, Adam Driver is just, <laughs> I don't know, like, all I got to say for Adam Driver is, like, Adam Driver needs to get a Marvel check soon, you know, like, he needs to get a Marvel check right away because a lot of these roles I know he wants to be the actor's actor and all it is but yo man sign on that dotted line there's a lot of rumors about him being Dr. Doom in the uh, in the MCU uh I think he would be I think Adam Driver would be a perfect Dr. Doom you know he's really tall he's got he's got that look to him you know uh he's he talks like he knows how to talk with menace as you know from uh the star wars movies you know i don't know because like i don't know if he wants to be pigeonholed you know because he did do those star wars movies but like what when was the last star wars movie like 2017 he started doing them in like 2014 i believe so he did those he did those Star Wars movies for a number of number of years and he probably doesn't want to get pigeonholed 
into like this into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I think it would be perfect for him, and I think he needs that Marvel check. He needs to get a Marvel check right now because a lot of these, a lot of his movies right now have been like hit and miss. It has been like hit and miss. You know, he did like House of Gucci, this movie. Uh, there was another movie he did. I know he has that movie coming out where, like, he goes back to the past and fights dinosaurs and some shit. <laughs> you see the trailer for that where, like, he he has that movie where he goes back in time and he fights dinosaurs. <laughs> like, he has that movie coming out. I don't know if that's going to be good or not, but we'll see. If he if that's not good and that bombs, I'm going to be like, dude, you need to go talk to Kevin Feige, okay? <laughs> go talk to Kevin Feige. Get yourself a Marvel check because this ain't it. This ain't it right now. Oh, like I gladly, I'd gladly take a Marvel check. You know, <laughs> gladly. If they were just like, "Hey, we want you in the MCU," I'd be like, "All right, cool." I was like, at least I know, at least I know I have a steady paycheck coming in. You know, like working for Marvel is like working for the government. You know, <laughs> pretty much like working for Marvel is like working for the government. You like, you know, you safe in the hands of Marvel. So, so. <laughs> He was like, I got benefits, you know, I know I get a steady paycheck, there's health care, you know, you know, I get a pension, you know, <laughs> you know, all that stuff, you know, it's like Marvel, Marvel is the place to be. It, it, and I, that makes me, that makes me laugh when like, a, you hear like a person like Steven Dorf talking about, I don't want to be in a Marvel movie, I don't want to do this. I was like, what are you doing right now, Steven Dorf? I haven't seen you in anything since True Detective. So, what are you doing now? <laughs> um, but yeah, man, this whole movie—I was like, I didn't—I did not care for this movie because, like I said, the dialogue was a little, the dialogue was a little choppy. Is it, like it didn't know, it didn't know what it, the movie didn't know what it wanted to be. There's a weird dance sequence at the end at a grocery store. It's just all over the place. This movie's all over the place. I, I spent two hours watching this movie, and it's like that's like two hours. I will never get back. You know, <laughs> I can't get those two hours back. You know, I took a chance uh, watching this movie, and it 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 it's it, yeah ugh, it was. I didn't care for it. And I know that Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig are going to work on the new Barbie movie. I like the trailer for that. I like the trailer for the new Barbie movie. Like, they just had the teaser trailer. I don't know if that's going to be now. Now that I've seen White Noise, uh, I don't know. Because, like, the, both, of them are, both of them are working on it. Uh, I think Greta Gerwig's directing and Noah Baumbach's writing the, the Barbie movie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if... I want to... The, the the thing that worries me is uh, Noah Baumbach's writing, you know, because like he's all over the place, he's all over the place. I guess we'll just have to see what that movie's going to be. But I didn't I didn't care for this movie. It's a it's a it's a, it's a bomb for me. I ain't, I ain't like it. I'll be back with my review of Airheads right after these messages. I can't take that tape from you. If it's unsolicited, I can't touch it. It's not easy to break into the music business, but these three guys... What's your secret code? I can't tell you my code. ...just found a way. 
you guys are a unsigned band and you broke into the radio station to get your demo played on the air? <laughs> I just feel a little goofy with a water pistol. They don't know it's a water pistol, they think it's real. Oops! Look, all I want to do is be heard and then we're out of here. <laughs> okay, who are you guys? My name's Pip. The band? The band name? Sorry about that. Oh man, look at the demo's wasted! Well, what are we gonna do now? Run! Hello, police. I'm surrounded. I don't want to go to jail. I'm fragile. Everybody on the floor right now. Uh, do, do you mind if I sit in a chair? I, I don't want to get all crowded. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, if she doesn't sit on the floor, I don't know why I have to. Sit down! Everybody else gets to sit in a chair except for you. Is everybody okay in there? He wants to know what your demands are for releasing the hostages. What's he mean by hostages? It's the inbreed. We asked for a whole bunch of weird stuff. This way we complete insanity later. Ooh. Number 13. Naked pictures of B. Arthur. Excuse me? I think you're exceeding the maximum weight limit for that belt. Yo! Jeopardy having a good time tonight! What are you thinking about? Swimming pools. He doesn't wear a helmet, does he? <laughs> you guys are crazy, man. Y'all are all It's a plastic gun! A plastic gun! <laughs> now what are you gonna do about that? Junk style. <laughs> Improvised. The Lone Rangers? What's wrong with that? Well, there's three of you. You're not exactly lone. No idea what you're saying right now. Airheads. I cut a deal with them. We got to send one person out. I'll go. One of the hostages, doof. Sorry. The music made them do it. Welcome back to the show, Airheads from 1994. Let's get into the technical, shall we? This movie was directed by Michael Lehman and written by Rich Wilkes. The movie had a budget of $11.2 million. It only made $5.8 million, making it a box office bomb, by the way. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes score does it even have one yes it does it has a rotten tomato score of 29 percent i think that's pretty harsh but you already know if you've been listening to this podcast for for a long time you already know my relationship with rotten tomatoes i i just don't i just don't believe them you know (laughs) sometimes they're right sometimes they're wrong you know, you know, you know the whole relationship I got. You know I'd be going on rants about them sometimes. But anyway, let's talk about how I saw this movie as a kid. This is another movie I saw randomly on cable when I was a kid. Like I do remember uh during the like the initial release of this movie seeing an ad for it in a magazine. I think I, I think I saw uh, an ad for this movie in, uh, does anybody remember, I don't even know if they still make this magazine, uh, does anybody remember Disney Adventures? Uh, if you're a 90s kid, if, like, you were, like, an 80s kid, a 90s kid growing up, you probably remember Disney Adventures, they used to sell those, uh, magazines at the, uh, at the grocery store, (laughs) it's like the, it's like the little, they're not even, like, 
full magazines. They're like little pamphlets, you know. <laughs> and I used to have like they used to have like all types of fun stuff in there. Uh, they used to talk about like all the new stuff that was gonna come out, like all the new Disney stuff that was gonna come out. They used to have like little comics in there. I think Bone was in there. I think they had Bone in Disney Adventures. If you remember the uh, the comic book Bone with the little white uh, Bone character. Uh, phone, they're like phone bone and all. <laughs> like you, I, I'm not sure if anybody remembers, even remembers bone, but I think they used to have the bone comic books in those movies, in, in, in those uh, magazines. I used to love reading those too. But like, I think that's where I first saw like a ad for Airheads. And I remember, I remember looking at it and I was like, I don't want to see this. You know, <laughs> I remember saying that. I remember saying like, I don't want to see this. But I think I was like nine years old when this movie came out. So like at that time, I wasn't really I wasn't really interested in music at nine years old. Like because I think I saw this movie like maybe two years later. I think I saw this movie like two years later in like 1996. And 1996, I was like 11, and like I was starting to I was starting to get like heavy. And ironically, I was starting to get heavy into rock music. So, like, this movie started to relate to me more, and I started, like, learning about, like, rock music, and I would, like, point out, like, cameos and stuff like that, but, like, oh, that's that person, that's that person, blah, 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 there's one cameo, I'm gonna talk about this cameo later, but, like, it's my favorite, but, um, (laughs) but, so, like, I enjoyed this movie as an older kid, as, like, a preteen, uh, now I haven't seen this movie in years, so let's see how I feel about it as an adult this movie stars brendan frazier as a starving rock musician trying to make it in the music industry he's grinding he's grinding trying to make it he even goes as far as uh, sneaking into a record company and uh trying to sell his demo tape apparently he does that a lot because security knows him and they always kick him out uh uh, Judd, he runs into Judd Nelson. Uh, Judd Nelson plays one of the record executives, and he's trying to get his uh, demo tape to him, but he rejects it. Uh, by the way, where is Judd Nelson? I feel like I feel like I haven't seen Judd Nelson in years. Like I can't even remember like the last thing that I saw him in. <laughs> You know, I was like, Judd, Judd Nelson just fell off the face of the earth. I was like, I don't know where he is. I don't know. He's living in a cabin in the woods or what. I don't know. If y'all know where Judd Nelson is, let me know. Because what happened to him? I don't, I haven't seen him in a while. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, Brendan Fraser's character, Jazz, uh, Jazz, Chaz. I'm thinking about this ain't Transformers, but, uh, <laughs> But his character Chaz has like that creator's curse of we all know it. If you're a creator, you know you know the curse, like not wanting to do anything else other than create art. So he doesn't have a job, and his his girlfriend like basically does everything. He basically lives off of his girlfriend, which is what a lot of the hair metal musicians did in the '80s. Like, if you don't know that story, they like they tell it. If you ever watched any like hair metal documentary or anything like that, they always tell that story. Like, none of those guys had day jobs. Like, Motley Crue, Poison, Guns N' Roses, uh, to a lower extent, Great White or Skid Row, 
uh, uh, Warrant, like all those bands, you know, like all those like hair, LA hair metal bands. Like none of those bands had a day job. Like none of those guys in those bands had jobs. So they would just live off women, the women that would be, that believe in the dream, you know? So that's what they would do. They would just, they, they talked about it all the time. They would just like shack up with some girl that they met on the strip. You know, like half those guys were homeless too. Like half of those guys were homeless. They were like living in hotels or whatever. Or just walking, just just wandering around the Sunset Strip. You know, and like they being like a little, they being a hotel or being a flop house or something like that. Like a friend with a friend or something. And they go out and they would go out and just do these freaking m- remarkable shows you know <laughs> it was like they would have like they would have like pyro and it was like what do you how do you afford this shit you ain't got a fucking job you know <laughs> i was like how do you afford how do you afford instruments you know like they would have instruments and i'm like how are you afford how do you get these instruments but from these women like the women paid for everything and they lived off of these women uh, they didn't end up marrying these women, but they lived off these women. <laughs> and that's how that's how LA hair metal, glam metal, that's how all that stuff was 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 sustained because all these bands lived off these women. But so that's what uh Chaz does here, but this is the 90s. So <laughs> So I'm gonna get into that. Uh Amy Locaine plays uh Chaz's girlfriend Caleb who she she looks like a like a fake Christina Applegate like I look at this role I feel like they had Christina Applegate in mind for this role but she probably turned it down because like it's too close to Kelly Bundy it's real close to Kelly Bundy because when she walked in the door and I was like because I was like I don't remember Christina Applegate being in this movie (laughs) that's what I said I was like I don't remember her being in this movie Cause like you look at her like she's like she looks like Kelly Bundy from the dress to the hair, the attitude is all Kelly Bundy. And like I felt I feel like they were trying to get Christina Applegate for this role. And she was like, nah. She was like, I'm not doing that. It's too close to what I do on Married with Children. I'm not doing that. I wanna do some other shit. But um But like Kayla's had enough a chance living off of her, so she kicks him out. You know, she does that. So then we meet one of Chaz's bandmates, uh, Rex, played by Steve Buscemi. Uh, he does have a job though. He he works at a toy store, so, so he has that. Uh, not to sound weird or anything, but like this is the best Steve Buscemi's ever looked. You know, like like hear me out here. You know how adding something to you like makes you look better like you accentuate the positives and stuff like that he looks better with long hair like Steve Buscemi looks better with hair like long hair it covers up the weasel face you know it covers up the weasel face it makes him look less like a weasel and the goatee he has a goatee too like the, the, the hair and the goatee they they, 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 they they help accentuate the positives on him. You know, they, like I said, the weaselly look goes away when he has hair and a goatee. It's just it's just strange that way. It's really strange. Uh, then we meet Chaz's other bandmate, Pip, 
who is actually uh, Rex's brother, uh, played by Adam Sandler, which I think this like this is like right before he blew up and became a star with like Billy Madison because I think this came out in '94 and Billy Madison came out in '95, so. Like, this is, like, right before he blew up. He was probably shooting Billy Madison by this time. So, like, this is, like, we caught him. This is this is the last time you catch him right before he becomes Adam Sandler. You know, so, like, so like if you want to see Adam Sandler before he becomes Adam Sandler, watch Airheads. Um, the band has a, a rivalry with another band called Sons of Thunder. Like, they're, like, this generic-sounding band from, like, 1989, which I think that's the gag because, like, uh, they hate that, they hate that band. <laughs> and, like, it's, like, it sounds like something from, like, 1989. They sound like Firehouse or, uh, <laughs> what's another band? Or, a Tesla. You know, remember Tesla? You know, they sound like, they sound like one of those bands, you know, or White Tiger, you know? <laughs> Anybody remember? Is that, that was the name of that band, White Tiger? No, White Lion. I'm thinking about White Lion. These are like White Lion. You know, <laughs> shit like that. They sound like a real, they sound like a band at the end of like the hair metal phase. That's what they sound like. I think that's the gag. But they got played on the radio and then they got signed. So Chaz gets the idea to get his band song played on the radio. So how do they do that? They sneak into the radio station to get it played. Of course, that doesn't go well because they end up they end up holding the whole station hostage, uh, which is kind of it didn't it didn't they didn't want it to be this, but uh, Rex has a temper, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Rex has a temper, and like he had uh, he was showing uh, Chaz and Pip. Like, he got, like, these, like, toy machine guns. And he had one of the toy machine guns. He had, like, the, the toy machine gun in his bag when they broke into the radio station. And, um, a, char- a character, it was, like, Michael, it was Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon plays, like, this, uh, this, uh, program director. And he, like, just, he just insults Steve Buscemi's character so Steve Buscemi's like hey, get, get the guy here and he, he takes out the gun and so now it's a hostage situation <laughs> so and at this point this is where the movie kind of turns into a sitcom like they got you got a lot of sitcom tropes and you get a lot of sitcom like sitcom characters like we have the hard ass program director played by Michael McKeon. We got the cool DJ played by Joe Montana of all people. You know, I've never found Joe Montana cool. <laughs> He's the cool guy in this movie. Uh, we got the militant black guy played by Reggie Cathy. Michael Richards is even in this movie. Like, weirdly enough. Um, another sitcom guy, you know. <laughs> another sitcom guy. I'm not gonna lie, like, Reggie Cathy had me cracking up with his dialogue. <laughs> like, like, I was laughing. I was cracking up. He, he had me laughing. Because, like, they got him playing, like, this angry black man. Like, saying, like, this angry black man d- dialogue that most likely a white man wrote. But his delivery of it is hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's just hilarious. But the Lone Rangers 
that's the name of the band, the Lone Rangers. That's a running gag throughout the movie also. So they're, they're about to get their demo tape played on the radio, but the demo gets destroyed. So they try to give up on the, on the, on the holding people hostage thing. And he try to run out of the building, but the cops show up. So this turns into a real hostage situation. Again, once again, remember I did a review on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, what, four months ago or something like that? And I said this in that review, and I say this now, I forget how long David Arquette has been in this business. Because he's in this movie too. <laughs> he's in this movie as well as the cool, like the young cool intern. Like he's in this movie doing that. Ernie Hudson shows up. Ernie Hudson shows up in this movie. He's the, the lead cop. Uh, trying to calm everything down with this hostage situation. Uh, Pip gets a love interest. Out of all of this. Uh, named Susie. Uh, but Pip, man, I'm gonna start talking about Pip, man. Pip, Pip, player, man. Pip got that riz, man. Like he caught on real, he caught on real quick with Susie. Cause Susie was throwing him, Susie was throwing him mad rhythm. She throwing him mad rhythm, and he was like, he just started rizzing her. Like just, he just, he like, he thought he thought dropping mad game on her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he caught on real quick. Um. Chris Farley's in this movie also as a cop, like trying, he's like trying to control his high like a motherfucker in this movie. <laughs> you know, like you could tell he is high as fuck in this movie. Like his eyes are all bugged out and he's tweaking and shit. And like knowing what happened to him eventually, like knowing what eventually happened to him, like it's pretty sad to see. Cause you could just see. Him just because like his character's supposed to be serious. Like he's not doing like any weird, like erratic Chris Farley shit in this movie. Like he is trying to be straight lace cop. And you can just see him just trying to hold it together. Like his eyes are bugged. His eyes are bugged throughout this whole goddamn movie. And it's just like and he, he kind of twitching a little bit, you know, like <laughs> he twitching. And I'm like, oh my god! Like, I could just see it. Uh, it's like, um, it's like, um, god damn, somebody over here tripping. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, steer crazy. If you remember the movie Steer Crazy, like they talked about Richard Pryor in that movie. Like Richard Pryor was like high the whole time in that movie. And he's just trying to hold it together. Like that's Chris Farley in Airheads. Like <laughs> Chris Farley is high throughout this whole movie, and he's just trying to hold it together. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just kind of fucking sad, <laughs> you know, like, Ernie Hudson, whenever Ernie Hudson's on screen, I like Ernie Hudson, because, like, he just comes on screen with, like, just that black dad energy, <laughs> you know, like, in any movie he's in, he just come on there, you just, like, you know, like, shit's about to go down, like, he just seems like a cool guy, he seems like a cool guy to hang out with, I would love to meet Ernie Hudson, he seems like a cool dude, and watch me meet him, watch me meet him, and then, like, he's kind of an asshole, <laughs> You know, like, cause I'll be like, hey man, he's kind of a cool guy. And then I meet him, he's like, get the fuck out of my face. I'm like, oh man. But, but anyway. Also, Pip. Pip is very passively racist. Like, he 
he doesn't mean to be, but he just comes off that way. Like when he talks to black people, like you, you might say he's a accidental racist, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, eh, okay. Um, Michael Richards' character, like he doesn't really do much in this movie. Like he just wanders around the station, like trying to avoid becoming a hostage like he's like all in like the the, the ventilation ducts and like crawling on the ground and, and like he's talking like he's like talking to the police on the phone and all this stuff uh so like he really he really doesn't do much it's like it's just pretty much him doing kramer it's just kramer in a radio station that's all it is like he just that's all he does that's all it is um I forgot, like, Beavis and Butthead had a cameo in this movie. Like, it just comes out of nowhere. It's just their voices. Like, there's no, like, we don't get to see, like, animated or live. Oh, God. Thinking about a live-action Beavis and Butthead, that is that is nightmare fuel right there. <laughs> like, that is nightmare fuel. Just thinking about a live-action Beavis and Butthead. I would not want to see that in real life. That is terrifying. <laughs> but, like, it's just, their, it's just their voices, and it is calling. They're like, yeah, yeah, you suck, yeah. And like, huh, huh, yeah, we just wanted to call in and say that you suck, you know. Like they just, they're just doing that. Like, and it's just, it's. I don't even know why it's there because it has nothing to do with the movie, but they just threw it in there. Uh, Pip and Susie hit it off. Uh, Pip got that. Pip got my type of game, though, man. You know, you know, I got that. I got that like boyish charm, you know, like the boy, you get that boyish charm to you and you got that just sense of humor, like you funny, like it gets chicks every time, you know, every time they love it, love, they love, they love like kind of like the, the little, the little boyish smirk, even give them a little, like a little, little eye and a little smirk and just be funny. And just kind of you kind of be like pathly funny you want to be you don't want to be clown funny you don't want to be like hey look at me you don't want to be that uh just throw a little little passive funniness in there throw a couple of jokes in there every now and again guarantee you get some chicks works every time works every time like cult 45 but um anyway uh this movie also tries to have a conversation about music, and it just comes off as uh, insincere because uh, Brendan Fraser's character and Joe Montana's character, they got like this generation gap, like this generational gap between the two of them, and they try to like talk about that, uh, but it just it just falls on deaf ears to me because uh, Joe Montana's talking about the good old days of rock music, and Brendan Fraser's like, not all rock music from today is bad. He was like, and all this stuff. So, and it just, it just sounded out. It just sounded like they just wanted to crap on the Beatles for some reason because they go out of their way to say that the Beatles suck. I was like, I don't know why. I mean, like, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan, honestly. But you have to, you don't have to shit on them. You don't. You really don't. Uh, this is my favorite cameo. This is my favorite cameo in the whole movie. Um, White Zombie makes a cameo in this movie, and like I remember seeing this movie because I had just gotten into White Zombie. I had just gotten into listening to White Zombie, 
And like, I remember that being my favorite part of the movie because like I said, I, I love the white zombie. <laughs> like I love white zombie. Um, I love Rob Zombie up to a point, his solo stuff. Uh, I, I want to say around maybe uh, 2006. Uh, I think that's when like his uh that that album was that Educated Horses came out. Like I didn't I didn't really like that album, and I kind of fell out of Rob Zombie after that. I was just like, eh, I'm not really feeling that because I like like the horror stuff that he does, like the horror core, like the horror shock rock shit that he does. I like that shit. I think that shit's cool. Uh, but yeah. I love that White Zombie uh, showed up. I popped. I remember popping big when I first. I'm like, oh shit, White Zombie! I was like, oh, you know, what I'm <laughs> one of my one of my favorite bands. I used to love that band. Um, Kayla shows up again like an hour later into the movie, and like she just basically like becomes a, a MacGuffin because like she has the other demo tape, and like they need that as leverage to end the hostage situation. Uh, because like the they have like a bunch of demands and stuff. Um, Harold Ramis makes it. I don't remember Harold Ramis being in this movie. <laughs> cause I just cause I saw him. I was like, wait, that's Harold Ramis. Like, Harold Ramis is in, this, is in this movie. Like so, we have like two Ghostbusters in this movie. And he's like, hey guys, hey, I'm here to. Cause like I think they're trying to they're trying to get a record deal, and like th- he shows up like as this fake record exec or something like that he's like hey guys hey i'm trying to i'm trying to sign you guys and like they'd start quizzing him seeing what he knows about music and he doesn't know diddly shit about music so he's like man get out get out of here because like they're like you're the police get out of here you know (laughs) so we got that let me kill mister from motorhead also makes a cameo that's like the second um cameo i saw Really, that's like the third cameo because you got Beavis and Butthead, you got White Zombie, and then you get uh, me when it comes to like musical cameos. Well, Beavis and Butthead is not really a musical cameo because they talk about they just talk about music. I guess it's a musical cameo. I guess I don't know shit. Uh, <laughs> but Kayla shows up. Kayla shows up with the tape. She's got the tape. It looks like uh, her and uh, Chaz are about to make up and get back together and then she she starts like uh, Kayla starts spazzing out and shit like that Kayla's kind of abusive she's kind of abusive too like she's too comfortable putting her hands on Chaz like she be like even in the beginning of the movie like she's just beating the shit out of Chaz and I'm like that's not cool that's that's domestic abuse you know <laughs> it was like that I'm, I don't I don't she too comfortable putting her hands on this man. Like she be like she was punching this man in the face and kicking him in the nuts and throwing shit at him and like I don't I'm like I don't I don't think that's comedy. I don't know if they're trying to play that up for comedy. Like domestic abuse is not funny <laughs> on any side. That's not funny. Like they are a toxic relationship is what the fuck they are. That's toxic as shit. Uh, so like I said, the band has a list of demands, and like one of them was a record deal. So uh, Judd Nelson shows up again uh, with a record deal, but uh, Chaz turns it down because he finds out that Judd Nelson's character didn't even listen to the tape. Like, so he's just like, I don't, I don't want to sign if you don't, because he's like, if you don't care about our music, I'm not gonna sign to you. And 
Reality check is, none of the record executives care about your music. They don't. They just, because, like, they barely even listen to your music. They barely do. They just, the only time they might listen to your music is when you're making the album. Okay, when you're making the album, that's the, probably the only time they're listening to the music. And they kind of listening to it so they can change it. They're like, you need something there. You need a hook there. You need something blah 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 you don't have oh, they just get finished listening to them you don't have any hits on the album you know you need to get a you need to get a hit on the album you know something like that so like they barely listen to your music and that's a reality that's a reality check for your ass that's a reality that you just gonna if you're if you're a musician you're just gonna have to come to terms with that that they don't give a fuck about your music they really don't they, they just see you as a commodity they see you as a dollar sign. They don't care. Okay, so when you sign on that dollar line, just know they don't care about your music. Just know that. Um, there was a Vince Neil joke in here. I found that was I found hilarious because <laughs> they talked about they talked about uh, Vince Neil uh, killing his friend. Because if you don't know, uh, Vince Neil, the lead singer of Motley Crue. Uh, Killed his friend, who was in another band called Hanoi Rocks. Uh, I think he was the drummer. His name was Razzle. Um, so, like, him and Razzle were driving. Like, they were driving down the strip. Like, at 100 miles per hour. They, they were both drunk. And, like, Vince was driving. And he's driving. He hit a curb. Flipped over. Smashed the car. Razzle died. And Vince Neil only served 30 days in jail for vehicular manslaughter. Only 30 days. And they made a joke about that in this movie. <laughs> they say, Vince, he was like, because like uh, Judd Nelson was trying to tell uh, uh, Brendan Fraser's character, he's like, if you sign on, if you sign this, uh, he said, if you sign this uh, record deal, you won't go to jail. He was like, Vince Neil only did 30 days in jail and he killed somebody. <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. It just made me laugh. I thought that shit was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Judd Nelson offers them a chance to get out of this situation by signing with him and performing live. But uh, the band refuses when like they find out that they have to lip sync, which I'm like... At some point, I'm like, you guys really are airheads. You guys are fucking stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> you guys are stupid. Because, like, this is the record industry. Don't matter how, it doesn't matter how hardcore you are or anything. Like, like, Slay, like Slayer has to abide by these rules. Um, any other, any other band, any other hardcore band you have to think of, like Demir Bogure or any death metal band, Cannibal Corpse, <laughs> any of those bands, like, any of those bands, they have to adhere by these rules. Like it's the it's it's the music industry. Like like every band lip syncs in their music videos. You know they're just like, oh, we ain't lip syncing, man. We ain't lip syncing. And like it's a music video, you know. But they don't do that, and they end up going to prison anyway. So <laughs> it does not have a happy ending. <laughs> And I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that this movie doesn't have an in, happy ending, but they become like the prison band or something like that. So that's pretty. That's pretty much the movie, you know. 
I had a lot of fun with this movie though. I really did. Like it's it's a silly movie, but it's still funny. Uh Brendan Fraser plays his character with just such sincerity. And he didn't have to do that, but he does it anyway because he's, it seems like he's the only one that cares about this movie because everybody else is just playing sitcom characters. Like, they don't care about this movie. They really don't. They don't give a shit about this movie. <laughs> they know what they're in. They're like, this is just a paycheck. I'm just going to do some sitcom bullshit and, 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 and get my check and move on about my day. That's, that's what, that's, that is basically what they did. Like, this movie is also very, very 90s, like very 90s. A lot of the references are dated, like the women are here just for eye candy. None of the women in this movie have anything <laughs> to say. You know, none of these women are here to be like philosophical or anything like that. They're just there for the tits and ass, okay? Like that's all they're here for. You know, like none of these women matter. Um, this is also a great, uh, time capsule for the mid-90s. If you want to know what 90s hard rock was, like, for the MTV generation, if you want to know what that's like, watch this movie. Watch this movie. If you're, like, you're a kid from, like, that was born in the 2000s or something like that, or even, like, the late 90s, and you're like, oh, I want to know, I want to know what it was like. Watch Airheads. Watch Airheads. It's, this movie is a great time capsule for, uh, 90s hard rock right here um i still recommend this movie like it's silly like i said it's silly brendan Fraser is the only person that really cares about this movie because he's acting his fucking ass off in this movie (laughs) and he doesn't have to (laughs) but yeah man like i give it a four out of five man i still recommend it because like it's it's just silly and it's it's just funny uh join me next week when i will be reviewing 1982's The Last American Virgin. Until next time, peace.